straight from the Soul Slam Studios in Makati City, Philippines. This is Life Bet, a show hosted by Antonio Aguirre Jr. Join his journey of entrepreneurship, growing up, friendship, basketball, and everything else around him. He's going to be sharing his personal experiences together with the amazing people he's met along the way. This is his journey, and these are the cards he was dealt with. This is Life Bet. Let's go. All right, so for those that don't know who you are, tell us your name and what you're about. All right, everybody. My name is Chris Newsom, and I am currently a PBA player for the Morocco Bolts. Right. And uh, basically, ball is life at the moment. <laughs> so that's what I'm about. How long have you been playing with, uh, for the PBA? This is actually the last conference of my fourth year. Wow, four years. So it's been four years, man. It's but you you played college ball here in Ateneo, right? Correct. I played two Monday, years at two, Ateneo. Two years. And then, um, but I actually went to Ateneo for five years. So I, I graduated, got my degree and everything. Right. And uh, during my fifth year of school is when I actually entered the PBA. So I was doing PBA. And, uh, well, what school. age did you go into the PBA? Was that 25? Wow, I was twenty five. It's a lot different, like yeah. in the PB compared to like the NBA, huh? Oh yeah, way different compared to like NBA. The, you could come in as a pro mm-hmm. at nineteen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but uh, even then, you know, being a pro at nineteen, the just the skill set that you have, it just has to be so polished and right. And you know, uh, the NBA is just a different level. You can take a nineteen year old in the NBA and right. he'll just dominate here in the right. Philippines. Like just look at LeBron. Exactly. And so, all, all the other co- uh, high school kids. You know, so eventually, uh, essentially, it just comes down to how talented you really are and uh, recognizing that talent wh- whatever age you're at. Right, so, right. Yeah. W- what year did you move here uh, from from the U.S.? Yeah, so I moved here 2011. Coming from where? Coming from Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Okay. Yeah, little place. New Mexico, yeah. Little place in New Mexico. Uh, small town, not too many people there. Mm-hmm. And I uh, moved here in 2011. We actually, me and my dad came out here on a visit in 2010. Right. And that's whenever we kind of um, put everything into place. Right. Um, just went back, gave me an extra year to okay. finish up and, and decided to make that jump in 2011. Your mom's Filipina? Correct. Yeah, okay. My mom's the one. She, right. she was born and raised here? She was born here. She was uh, here until she was about seven or eight years old. Wow. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, the whole family actually picked moved. up and moved to the U.S. So Crazy. Um, I'm the first generation of uh, grandkids to come back. Wow. So it's pretty cool. But, um, um, how did your mom meet your dad in the States then? Yeah, so my mom was in California. My dad was actually in the Navy. Okay. So uh, where my mom lived was Fresno, California. Right. And she would go back and forth to the Bay Area, like uh-huh. San Francisco. And then uh, my dad was stationed in San Francisco for a while. And uh, so, essentially, you know, they met around uh, in the city. <laughs> and then, you know, a couple of years later, that's when they started popping out kids and started the little family. How many, how many siblings do you have? So I got an older brother, an older sister, and two younger sisters. Any of them athletes? All of us are athletes, uh, but I'm the only one that's professional. Professional. And my sister, my our youngest, Arbunso, is actually uh, fifth year in Ateneo right now. Fifth year. So she's the only one that lives. Oh, she's with she's me. playing basketball too. Yep, she's playing basketball. Nice. Yep. All right. Well, okay. So you moved here 2011. Moved here 2011. With with anyone was anyone with you? Nobody actually. Well, when I first came here, my dad was. 
Uh, my dad and my mom accompanied me. You okay. Know, helped me get get me on my feet, make That's sure uh, I was. Uh, I had a condo to stay. I had a place to stay. You know, I had uh, income coming in somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, through scholarship or whatever. So you were recruited. I was recruited, correct. Okay. And then, um, you know, after two weeks, they obviously had to leave and go back because right. they were still working at the right. time. And you know, I was just left here by myself to try you, to. You didn't know Tagalog words. Didn't know Tagalog. Uh, didn't know. Didn't really know much, actually. Um, even like the, the the smaller things of how Philippines, right. uh, the Philippines the really culture, was. Yeah, yeah, the culture. Uh, no those idea. were all things that were kind of I had no clue about because I didn't grow up around it. Even if, for example, a lot of my friends that grew up in California, mm-hmm. you know, they're around it more than they think. Right. You know, because. Um, me being from New Mexico, right. I realize how much I'm not around it at all. Right. And whenever I go to California, I'm like, for me, that's like, oh, okay, this is Filipino culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just California. Yeah, so, no. you know, yet alone. So you hung out with uh, Filipinos in L.A.? I'm sorry? You, you hung out with uh, Filipinos in L.A.? Oh, yeah, I've been right. around Filipinos in L.A., San Francisco. Um, but in New Mexico, there were there was like maybe three Filipinos for in my sure. high school. So. For sure, New Mexico. It's like, you know, I popped my eyes at New Mexico. Right. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, after I came here, those those were the few you know adjustments that I had to make, uh, the culture and, and you know I was just glad that I was with the program that that looked after me. Mm-hmm. You know, Ateneo really looked after me and made sure that everything was okay and I had everything that I needed. And um, you know, from that point, it was just adjusting. Right. You you played 2014, 2015. 2014, 2015. Yeah. So how come you didn't play in from 2011? So at my time. There was a two-year residency, okay. which was, you know, that's... So 11, 12, 13, 13 yeah. okay. So that was uh, the two years that I had to sit out. I had to play Team B. You know, it's crazy that it's one year now. Actually, there is no residency now. Right, There's, okay. Like, kids that can come straight over and wow. go straight into okay. UAP They, they, they changed the rules. They changed the rules. In UAP, so, okay. Unfortunately, I had to wait two years. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it all worked out. Yeah. in its own weird way. But so you were killing it in Team B, huh? Killing it on Team B. <laughs> uh, I still actually play those Team B guys right. every Thursday, which is fun. Um, so I was doing that for two years, and then uh, at the same time, I was practicing with Team A, right. and Coach Norman was there, and then uh, they won the four-peat, five-peat, and then Coach Norman got called up to the PBA. PBA, yeah. And then so that was the year I was coming in, and we oh, had all so kinds of changes. he wasn't your coach. Who, no. who was your coach? So I had Coach Bo. Parasol. Okay, both right. Now he's yeah. at UP. Right. Um, so crazy. Like everything went with Coach Norman, you know, the, the yeah, old yeah, traditions, the system, right. all of that. So as he moved out, you know, I was coming in, the mm. whole culture was changing at it's the changing. same time. Uh, even even like recruits, I'm actually the last recruit of Coach Norman. Right. Uh, so that ended there, and they were just starting to get new recruits. Uh, played my, played that third year of school and fourth year of school. Right. Um, those are my two years UAP. First year didn't make the playoffs. Second year made it to the final four. Okay. And lost to NU. Um, in uh, for the finals. No, that was uh. Or third, that was in third. the semifinals. Oh. Okay. Because we had the twice to beat. We were the one seed. Okay. And NU was the. Wow, you were seed. one seed. We were the one seed or twice to beat. Oh man, it was. Damn. Uh, so NU beat us twice, and they went on to actually win the UAP that year. So yeah. um, that was a big year for them, and that was my last year in UAP. 
And then you, um, you got drafted in the PBA. Yeah, and right after UAP, I actually had to get my D League, uh, PBA D League requirement games in. Oh, okay. So you're how many required places? to play. How many, play, how many games were there? It was like tw- you're required to play 12 games. 12 games. At the time, I think it's only eight now. Um, so I ended up being on Happy Toothpaste mm-hmm. with uh, a big group of guys. Uh, uh, you know, everyone now is like PBA stars. <laughs> right, it's it's right. kind of crazy, but. Um, so yeah, we played in D League for a year, and then we all entered the draft in 2015. What round were you selected? I was first round, fourth pick. <laughs> nice overall, yeah. So the, Miracle your team, Bolts. Miracle Bolts. Yep. So that's the only team you have. That's the only team I've been on since uh, mm-hmm. I've been to PBA. So yes. pardon, guys, pardon my my poor knowledge on 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 the PBA now. Good, I, to good. to be honest, yeah. like I was a PBA junkie too before being an NBA junkie yeah, yeah. when I was younger like in during the 90s like uh-huh. if you ask me every player and every team all eight teams I knew each it. conference I knew like my yeah. favorite team was uh, Sunk- uh Swift uh-huh. and Sunkist uh-huh. and Pop Cola and you know I followed all that the history, team huh? that was my team like uh, Verhel Meneses and that crew with Coach Yangiel was so my favorite happened, Tony uh, Harris what happened with that team who, who um, bought that team sorry who bought that team? Um, I don't know. It's just like uh, I asked uh, the commissioner of MPBL, uh, Kenneth Duremdes, about mm-hmm. it recently. And I ta- was talking. Like I think, um, um, I think it's NLEX now. Oh, okay. It, yeah, from if from the transition, it's now NLEX, uh, which was Swift back then. Uh-huh. It's crazy. Like so many movements. Right. Right. <laughs> With some teams. Yeah, even like Morocco, I found out. It's because some teams. Uh, actually disband like shell yeah we had shell before that was my team because that was my uncle's team and we had free games Uh when i was a kid so Uh shell was my team also but at the same time swift and sunkis was my most favorite team back then right i hated hinebra san miguel sorry guys (laughs) i hate hinebra san miguel (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. so um with that you know how 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 is it so far you're in the league like four years now. Four years, yeah. Right. So far, it's been uh, it's been a roller coaster. It's been great though. Obviously, uh, I get to play basketball for a living, right. so you know I, there's not much room for complaint when it comes to that. Of course. Um, but you know, uh, it, it just there's so much to learn, I guess, whenever sure. it comes down to it. Um, from my rookie year, I actually got rookie of the year that year. Nice. Um, so that was a big <laughs> accomplishment for me. And I've learned so much between that year and where I'm at now, and my game has progressed so much. And I never actually would have thought I my game would have been the way it is now. What What, what was the thing that was a knock on you when you were trying to develop your game? Like, I'm sure you you were still unpolished when you yes. came to the PBA. There, yeah. What was that skill? Was it dribbling? Was it passing? Um, was it you know? Actually, it was more shooting. In shooting. Yeah, a lot of people. You were, were not a proficient three-point shooter back in back college. in the day yeah back in college, in college. Uh, my whole career I've never really been one to shoot a lot of threes because I've been the, I'm the athletic type so I'm right more you're like a get slasher to the rim. Yep. Right. just be a slasher get to the rim get to the foul line um, but now uh, I'm learning to utilize my shot mm-hmm. you know I put the reps in I, I practice it all the time and then you know at a certain point you start to realize it's more of a confidence thing it's more of a right. mental thing you know, it's uh, like you can shoot so many times, but at the same time, if you don't have the mental capacity right. to, 
to uh, overcome that, right. you know, even though people label you as a non-shooter, you, right. know, if you know that you put the work in right. and you trust yourself, you could, there's nothing wrong with you taking that shot. Because even great shooters miss, you, great shooters will make some. So I mean, it's just yeah. confidence level. Yeah, you're correct. Like, I, I had conversations before with JJ Helterbrand mm-hmm. um, and also uh, Reverend Mikwalo, mm-hmm. two of the, you know, the best shooters yeah. the PBS had. And, yeah. They both say it's all about muscle memory and how you get muscle memory is just repetitions. Like this shot, for example, when we're playing pickup games, like JJ would say like, I would make this shot like 11 out of 12 times easily just because I know how far I am from from the basket and the the pulse that I need to actually do that. And the way he does it is like every day puts up 500 to 800 shots. Mm Like it's just repetitive. That's yeah. why if it's in end game situations, he already knows how far he needs to be to the correct, basket and correct. make that shot. And it, it's, it's like clockwork. Himself. Yep, he's right. not asking himself to do anything that he hasn't done before. Right. right. So this is actually the first time I've had a a, a professional athlete on the show. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting for some, because most of my podcasts I would always integrate stuff like hard work off. NBA players yeah. on how they put in the work that's why they're actually yeah. clutch like yeah, you know yeah, how yeah. how Kobe's clutch like yeah. uh, Jordan's clutch like Damon Lillard how mm-hmm. he he shoots it like mm-hmm. how clutch it is like you know Steph Curry but people don't know the hard work that you guys put in on the back end of yeah. it I mean your 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 averages and scoring and percentage and whatever have you that all these athletes are just the byproduct of your right, of, of your, your hard, hard work, work right correct, like correct. If you didn't even practice yeah. like as well as anyone, maybe you won't even reach that level right. wherein you were actually drafted mm-hmm. in the PBA, right? Like, very true, very true. Like, uh, there's there's one uh, quote that I actually live by, and it's mm-hmm. uh, we are what we repeatedly do. Correct? Right. It's, so it's like you can say you're a basketball player, but if you don't play basketball every single day, then you're not really right. that. So me taking that to heart it's like okay if i'm going to be known as a basketball player then basketball is what i'm going to do every single day right and uh you know i wake up with no other purpose but to but to do that as a kid i want to know like the first time you held the basketball in your hand do you still remember that time i would say that was around like maybe like three or four years old okay but growing up i was actually um I was more of an of an American football player. I knew it. Yeah, so you know, I, I was actually. What position did you play? I played running back at times. I played wide receiver. I knew it uh, in high school. <laughs> I knew so, it. That was your first love. That was the first love. Yeah, that was like the sport that I actually. Like my friends in San Francisco, yeah. like most of the athletic friends that I have are like American football players. Right. I'm, more than basketball players first. I guess it's just something that's in the in the culture. Right. Cause like here, you know, basketball is the culture. Yeah. You go, uh, you go anywhere, this you'll a, see basketball. In the Philippines, basketball is a poor man's sport. Right, and it's it's crazy. Actually, I've never seen anything like it. Put a hoop somewhere in the street that that you know you'll cars see, pass by. You'll see be hooping there. at four in the afternoon to yeah. seven p.m. And it's wild, and I love it actually. But that's what made me fall in love with this place even right. more. Is like the the passion that they have. But in the states, growing up, you know, the kids. Uh, you actually have to go to a park to go play right. basketball. There's not, you know, hoops everywhere. Right. And you're, uh, 
you know, you can normally go to a gym that's kind of close, but either either way, you have to, like, drive there. Right. So kids normally just go outside and throw a football. Yeah, right? yeah. So it ends up being like that. And you can be just two on two, right? Correct. Um, so I actually played three sports growing up through high school. What was, was the other one? Um, I did track and field. Track and field, okay. Yeah. So I did those three sports. I uh, had a lot of scholarship offers. Uh, uh, no, I actually did the 110 hurdles and, hurdles. and uh, wow, jumping hurdles. events. Oh, yeah, it's hard. But I had like long strides. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being tall kind of helps Flexibility. you yeah, get over the hurdles. But Right. Um, so I did that and high jump, long jump, and triple jump. Wow. So those are all, that explains why I'm used to jumping. The athleticism right. that you Do you believe athleticism can be developed? Yes. Or is it something you're born with because you have like good genes? Yeah, genetics helps, but um, I've seen people who weren't great athletes mm-hmm. become like really good athletes um, because as you get into it, it's more about uh, control over your body. Right. So yeah, you can be able to jump really, really high, but if your mechanics are off, then uh, you won't necessarily sustain that for a long period of right. time. Like you might be a freak athlete when you're young but since your mechanics are so bad it could lead to an injury in your middle right. ages which could case in point very gross exactly right how um, he lands it like i've i'm a i'm a top fan always in bleacher report yeah. that's why people always see my name on the top comments just uh-huh. because you know us uh, what i say is uh, a, a lot of times controversial and, yeah. and sometimes we need the facts yeah, where people good, you know and one of the things i i saw was that Russell West uh, Russell Westbrook lands so differently yes. than Derrick Rose, yeah. but they're both very explosive. Correct. Coming to the rim, like how yeah. they land yeah. with Derrick Rose with one foot, uh-huh. there's just too much pressure in his knees yeah. and ankles and everything, yeah. and his body type is just way different than than Russell Westbrook. Correct. And like a comparison, like even Derrick Rose feet, like mechanics are the same. Like how flat he lands, mm-hmm. the same like. Jabari Parker I've mm-hmm. seen mm-hmm. you know compared to like LeBron James how he lands it's right. the same as like Russell Westbrook yeah, yeah, right yeah, it's right. all mechanics like it's what mechanics, you say yeah. right so yeah it, uh, but, but my thing is like, work my thing is how come like the the people like people see them but how come they could not correct them that's hard uh, you know whenever your body is used to doing something a certain yeah. way and you haven't been conscious of it for so long you're but there's so many eyeballs in you. Well, yeah, when you get to a professional level, yeah, right, there's, yeah. there's a lot of eyes. Like, for you. sure, there was something in your game that they say, okay, you're dribbling it the wrong way, like the way you're mm-hmm. handling the, mm-hmm. your dribbles, it's too tight or mm-hmm. something, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know what it is. But, you yeah. know, someone notices that. Correct. How come they could not notice, like, injury-prone types of acts that they do? Yeah, that's tough. That's well, is it because they, they ignore it because they're doing so well, or is it because... I would think it's a mix of the athlete being comfortable because obviously they're, so they're so as athletes you're left to be yeah to do what you're comfortable with because okay so at in this whole equation when you look at the nba it's like okay you got a guy like kevin durant okay mm-hmm. kevin durant he's just a beast seven, at what he does and he's just naturally gifted mm-hmm. and so it's like whenever you're going in and you're telling somebody like kevin durant how to change his form to shoot like steph curry right he might not necessarily respond to mm-hmm. it the way that People would think, even though Steph Curry has, you know, the the most perfect shooting form, yeah. or however you want to put it. Yeah. So, same thing can go to running mechanics. You know, that's like saying somebody that right. I know I'm fast, right? But then you want to tell me to sprint like uh, Usain Bolt, 
Yeah, so like, you could be faster. So I could be faster. Yeah, maybe it, it sounds correct, but at the same time, I know what's best for my body, so it's hard for me to break that mold that of mold. what works for me, getting out of my comfort zone in order to reach that, that so athlete it's, that's it's, it's like the saying that what ain't broke, don't, don't fix don't it. Don't fix it, in a sense, yeah. So the only way that you find out that it is broke is when something, something actually breaks. Happens, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, you have the usual, like, you know, Sean Livingston injuries yeah, or the injury with, with Paul George. Yep. I mean, those are, like, he landed normally right. like the others, right? right? But then those freak accidents, like, like you see, like Derrick Rose, how he landed mm -hmm. during the playoffs against mm -hmm. the, the Sixers. I mean, it's no, it's not the coach's fault. It's no, just, no. just the way it, it landed. That's how it is. And, you, you know, like now he's looking at how he lands, right? right. He, if he didn't look at that before, that injury could have happened. Know, whether it's then whether it's you know five years yeah. from now or however you never know but that is a sign that something is wrong right. and then you know it's unfortunate that it ha had to happen at that time but then that's your sign okay let's fix it so it doesn't happen again right. and then it actually happened again so something else was wrong right. so that's whenever you that's whenever management goes in like okay who are the eyes that are watching this? <laughs> and why is this happening again? You know, so, right, because it happened again. Yeah, it happened again. Right. And that's when other people start getting fired. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it is a business. It is a business. It is a business. Right. Um, like with, with you, like, you know, you knew that you weren't good at three, uh, your three-point yeah. shot was not. Yeah, my strength. It wasn't your strength. So. Correct. So uh, what I did was a lot of coaches helped me with this too is i adapted my game to go inside out mm -hmm. so because i'm not a three-point shooter people label me uh, label me and say hey you're not a three-point shooter right that doesn't mean i have to prove them wrong mm -hmm. i don't have to prove you wrong and say right. oh, just because you say i'm not a three-point shooter now i'm gonna start shooting threes right i kind of had that mentality for a bit and then i understood it's like no that's them controlling me yeah so i'm not right. i'm not gonna be I'm not ever gonna be free when it comes to that right so how I adjusted it I took notes from my you know guys like Kobe DeMar DeRozan they they can, the mindset. yeah they can shoot threes but they don't live they don't live there right so I adapted the mid-range game which a lot of uh, NBA veterans end up doing you know Dwayne Wade right you know Kobe yeah. Jordan they all they, they all developed that yeah mellow they all developed that mid-range game and they right. been able to save their career um, even though they're athletic, they can get to the basket any time. But whenever you're, the game's on the line, you know the easiest shot right. is actually a mid. I think that's one of the reasons why you know the veterans are able to preserve their body more because when you're right. younger, you go inside more, you take more, more contact, yep. more more damage to your body, yep. you go down more. Correct. And then when you go older, you go farther and farther away from the basket. Yeah, yeah. And you be you become more smarter. Right. When when it comes to reading the defense on you, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. Uh, you definitely get more choosy once you get a little older because you know you can't take like, you know, the, the hits that you right. usually take. Like, there were like three stages of Jordan's career when early on he was like you know, inside mid-range game and yeah. then on his first cha three championships yeah. he was you know post-up game then yeah. he became closer and, uh, on, on, on he started going back a little bit. Back further he made more three-pointers on but his when, second three. But when the game was on the line he went back to right, his post-game. The, the mid-range. Right, the mid-range. Yeah. yeah. Well, why is it that people think now that like the mid-range game is is the uh, one of the no, not obsolete but one of the most inefficient shots today compared to know. before 
you know. Yeah, actually, I don't know. I think it's just a, a style of play. Is it the evolution of play? I think it's the evolution too. Um, but here in Philippine basketball, I say that it still exists. Right. The the um, mid range. The mid range game. Yeah, yeah, that's actually the biggest part. That's where a lot of people live. Um, and in the like, NBA, I think the influence. I think the influence of, of good shooting, like it's almost taken for granted. Like that, people know in the NBA you can hit that mid range shot, so the bigs are coming closing out harder. For example, right. so you have the three, you take away the three point, you're going to the mid range. So at that point, the big has to show out right. or stay stay back. Right. They they know it's almost a given. Steph Curry is going to hit that mid range shot, <laughs> so they're going to go up, and then Steph Curry gets to the basket. So that's why you see more layups. Right. Right. Okay. So. Just knowing that people's sh- shooting has developed so well that they can hit that mid range is almost guaranteed. Right. That forces the bigs to pull out, uh, to push out, and actually take that away. Right. And then that opens the lane for layups. Right. And, and I've also seen like, you know, I think that one of the reasons why the game was changing was because the dominance of big men on the eighties and nineties mm-hmm. played a big part. Like yeah. pounding it inside, yeah, you know, yeah. all these people taking. Just imagine like Shaq, like mm-hmm. Shaquille O'Neal, uh, pounding and pounding inside on you, and you're a big guy. So what do you do? You learn how to shoot outside. And right. Dirk, Dirk was the first person to admit to that. That game out, yeah. I took my game outside because I knew when I uh, go to the NBA, I'm gonna see Shaq, and yeah. I'm, I don't want to see him down low. Down low. For so sure. I, I'll bring him outside so that yeah. his strengths can be right. a little neutralized, right? Right, right? So that's just being smart. I think it's just the yeah. development, right? Yeah. Like even from the seventies, like dribbling, you know how it has evolved mm-hmm. to now. Even the passing, like mm-hmm. if you're on a fast break, now you don't you're okay shooting a three instead mm-hmm. of you know passing a teammate for a layup, for a layup right? Yeah. It's a it's a it's a higher percentage. Like yeah, 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 yeah. it just blows my mind yeah. how coaches would not get pissed when you shoot a three rather yeah. than before. Like I know in 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 my lease in when I was young in the nineties when. If you shot a three in transition, in transition, <laughs> and you it's just one and one with yeah. a player, yeah. you'd get benched. Yeah, you're coming like, out. <laughs> like, what the hell were you thinking? Yeah. Now it's like, take it. Yeah, it comes down to confidence, <laughs> though. Um, yeah, like I said, it, the, if you're that type of player that has that kind of confidence, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no one can actually take that away from you. It's I actually, think also, also, like I, I play pickup games, and I know when, like, when I'm in the zone, like I know if I can make that that yeah. shot, it's like. Even if there's like three people, yeah. like I'm the only one there, I could take that. Like, mm-hmm. if you see the ring, it's like you know one big basket. Mm-hmm. You actually make it. But there's it's really a confidence, huh? Yeah, but there's a difference between being confident and knowing uh-huh. yourself. Right. Like you have to know yourself and be confident with yourself. Okay. Don't be like, you don't get false confidence that you think you're right. somebody, but you're not. Right, it's like so, telling Shaq to take three pointers. Yeah, now. yeah, like he could be like, "I'm confident I'm gonna make this <laughs> and take it," but then it's like at the end of the day, it's like you got to be real with yourself. Right. So you'll see Shaq's confidence at the free throw line is like it's non-existent. But no. if you give him the ball and say, "Hey, get me two points," yeah, he'll go through somebody near the basket. Right. Exactly, and it's he's true. so confident in doing it's that. True. And uh, and vice versa, like Steph Curry is so confident in pulling up from three that he would almost miss the easier. Um, you know, one dribble pull up in the mid range because right. he's more confident in the threes because he's real with himself. So he you, knows. You, you get really confident when you know you've done it repeat, 
repetitively, yes. right? Yes, like, like you were repetition. saying uh, with JJ. Yeah. yeah the, the, it's muscle memory, mm -hmm. right? Even yeah. the dribbling. That's why, when yeah. remember when you were a kid, when you started dribbling, I know you were just looking at the ball yeah. while dribbling, right? like yeah. looking at the ball, yeah. dribbling. And then you were told you shouldn't be looking at the yeah. ball when you're dribbling. And then you're dribbling with your right hand. Now yeah. you're dribbling with your right hand. And then people you know, push you to your, to your left. left. So you can't dribble left. And now you you're dribbling left, left yeah. right? And some, some players are even ambidextrous. Like yeah. right off the bat. Like LeBron was left-handed. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, he just wanted to shoot right. Shoot it's right crazy. Like some people. But I actually get it now because um, we were talking about being gifted, right? Mm -hmm. And talented. And, and can somebody work towards it, right? Um, there's one guy on my team. His name his name is Reyna, who's not done right. Yeah. So he's ambidextrous. He can use both hands. Yeah, he can but shoot. he's natural lefty, right? Natural lefty, but he can shoot right. You know, he's got spin move, hook shots right. He's got jump Great shots post right. Post moves. Post yeah. moves, everything right. So after I used to, after I seen him, you know, I started thinking differently, and he told me some things. He's like, yeah, just start working on it now. So every day I started working on, on using my left hand. I, I take, um, you know, uh, floaters with my left. I do layups with my left. I'll take jump shots with my left. Right. Even though I know I'm not going to use it, but just... Just for this... Yeah, just, yeah. you know, like, you can use your left hand, you yeah. know, right? And that's something that a majority of people won't even try to do. Right. They're going to stay in their comfort zone and just shoot with their right, right hand. So it's like, now I'm slowly building up my confidence, and I've actually seen the progression of me... Before, I couldn't make, like... Uh, like five floaters in a row. Now I can make like eight out of ten, right. you know, with my left hand, and it's it's crazy because I never would have thought I did that. But <laughs> you know, that's just a matter of will, like right. willpower, and and commitment to be able to learn that new skill and, and adapt like your game. And this applies to anything, business, whatever. You adapt For your sure. game to what to whatever uh, venture that you want to go to, and you find out what it is that that it takes to be successful, and For you sure. like. Break it's, it down into smaller it's gyms. It's all about you. Um, of course, you're passionate about it. Yes. That's an important thing. Yes. When you're passionate about it, you just go right at it. Right. You know, and as you go on, you learn new things mm -hmm. that you can do this, you can do that, mm -hmm. you know, because you're passionate about it, you research about it, and you practice it. You know, you do repetitively. Like you say, it becomes clockwork. Like, right, you right. Know, just for, becomes habit. First of all, like for example, uh, like for example, if you're on YouTube, like most likely your first video sucked. Mm -hmm. If you were the one who starred in it yeah. and you were the one who edited it, yeah. for sure it would suck. Like yeah. without any professional help because right. you just Googled everything. Correct. But then you learn how to do post processing, yeah. do B rolls and everything, and adding in effects. Yeah. So it, it improves from time yeah, to time. Improves. Like my yeah. thing, like I started. Um, podcasting less than a month ago, yeah. and I've already uploaded uh, eight episodes as of this this time. Nice. And like the first one, I just close my eyes and I like Go. upload. It's like boom, it's out there. Yeah. You know, and then that's the beauty of it. Like you know, if you make a mistake, you can you know adjust, correct, learn from it, correct, and move on. Yeah. Like most people are scared of making that mistake yeah because there's so many factors that yeah. people uh, they're afraid to be ridiculed mm -hmm. made, made fun of mm -hmm. like you know um some pe uh, of of failing yes. of failing other people yes like you know um not being able to meet the standards of other people right. we're in 
you know, you don't have to have big dreams. You have to have your own dreams. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like Other his. People's. Your yeah. dream is not supposed to be my dream. Right. Like if you're dreaming about this, I'm dreaming right. about something else. And it doesn't mean that your dream is bigger or my dream right. is bigger. It's when it's more than it's, it's your dreams, yeah. and you're working at it. And you're working towards it. You're trying your you best. Dedicate your life right. to that. Like trying to achieve your your dreams and aspirations and goals. It's good. Mm-hmm. Failing it without trying is worse. Because you never know. And you're just gonna live you never know what really happened because yeah. you never tried. Right. Right. Like trying really hard at it is much different because you know there's so many factors that go that just goes on around it yeah. when you're when you're putting in that effort. Yes. Like you know people like to be like motivated. They they like the feeling of, you know. Yeah. Like right now we're talking. Someone's you know listening in and they like being motivated. That's why they probably listen to this podcast that I have. Yes, yes. But you know, the next day or a few months after, they're still doing the same shit. Mm-hmm. And you know, he said like, you know, I'm I'm gonna be a basketball player too, like yeah. Chris. Yeah. Like you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm work on my game and do this and do that. But then you know, visit him like six months after. Is he still on it? He's yeah. still an audience. Yeah. Like he's still consuming. Yes. Other basketball players watching them, but then they're never applying it. Correct. <laughs> there's a huge difference like you know they, they like the comfort of you know being motivated it's like go let's go rock on yeah, come yeah, on let's yeah. go let's do this but then you know when it's actual work it's like fuck this mm. is hard mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <I> mean, <laughs> like I'm sure you, you've had times where in like yo I'm done like I, I can't do this this is so so hard for me yeah there's definitely been those times but at the end of the day that's what pushes you that's what ultimately makes you uh go one way or the other right you know those those um, bumps in the road they're meant to be there because it's like hey if you really want to be a basketball player you're gonna have to get over this bump right if you don't okay it's not for you you got to this point find something else because your growth is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable yes you cannot be comfortable with who you are if you were comfortable yes. with your game going to the pba yeah. without three-point shot yeah you have been okay just, you know, going inside lane, laying it up yeah. all the time. Like, I didn't, I didn't care. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about three-point percentage or whatever. Yeah. But you cared so much about, you know, developing your game, you know, that you wanted to improve on it, right. you know, because you, you, you didn't want to be comfortable. Right. No, you're comfortable, you, never you know, comfortable. driving, right? Yeah. You're yeah. comfortable, but you were not Correct. comfortable taking the three-point shot. Correct. Like, if yeah. you were given the, the ball in your hands, Correct. three seconds remaining, yeah opponent up by one yeah. uh, by two and you had to make a three yeah i would I, go for the tie like, you go for the tie <laughs> that's what i would like coach i'm going for the tie i'm not yeah. going for the three yeah. i'm not confident about this but now if you ask me that now right it's a different story i'll go i'll tell you i'll go for the best available option right because i know i'm comfortable with the three but right. at the same time i know i don't need it right so and, and that's why like players like reach the prime of their careers because it means prime because their athleticism is at all-time high, but at the mm-hmm. same time, their knowledge of the, the game mm-hmm. has just been a combination of yeah. of past uh, frustrations mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, what made them successful. Yeah. It's a combination of everything. That's why you see when the when we say a player is on his prime, meaning, you know, he's got it al- almost figured out. Right, almost. Right? And then yeah. 
you know, there's a downhill wherein, you know, you lose an extra step, you're not, you know, as fast as you are, then yes. you develop another part of your, your game. You adjust. You adjust. It's the same with business. Yes. Like, you know, you're starting, you're doing great with your business, yeah. you know, and then adversity hits you, you know, people are not buying your product, you understand why you're, you're not buying your product. Yeah. Then you figure out there's something wrong with this, so you make adjustments. Yeah. Like, for example, yeah, there's so, there's so many ways. You know that 80-20 principle? What is it? So it's like, um, like in business, right, you can take 80% of your sales come from like 20% of your product. Right. Like the top 20%. Right. Right. So it's like a lot of people, when they start doing business, they spread themselves and say like, hey, I got all these products, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's this, 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 and this. I got all kinds of things. But then it's like only 20% of that is going to make 80% of your revenue. So it's like the rest of it. The rest of the eighty percent of your products isn't really going to make you. It's only making you twenty percent. Right. So it's like, why would you put more of your focus on that? Right. So the eighty twenty principle gives emphasis on that, that top twenty percent. Right. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to focus on these hats because these hats are the ones that are selling. Correct. And then that's that's adjusting your business. Right. You know, because if you stay spread out too thin, you're like, okay, well, we have to have shirts, we have to have this, we have to have that. It's like, but. These are the only ones that are selling. So why are you going to focus all Correct. on that? Correct. Like, yeah, I understand the future and things like that. But at the same time, you, you got to adjust like yeah. you were talking about. You adjust your game to what, what game is being played. And you're right. It's it's on the court and it's in business. Man. Yeah, you give you give the market what they actually want. Correct. Right? I mean, if people are not buying your products, mm -hmm. that means that you're the one that has to adjust to it correct not them not them like if you're saying like people are not buying products because uh the it's too expensive for them then yeah. you adjust you your adjust. price yeah like if they're not buying your shirts for 8.99 you adjust like yep. you know 650 mm -hmm. like that's what i did with my brand like when i went from like uh, 5.99 to 7.99 to 8.99 yeah. one three nine nine for a shirt then yeah. people stopped buying it then so i had like, to bring it back yeah. to 8.99 yeah. 7.99 yeah because it just made more sense because that's what my market is comfortable yeah, buying yeah. you know you can't just put the price tag on it going higher and higher so yeah. you have to find ways to adjust maybe change suppliers right. you know work with someone that can do it much cheaper for you mm -hmm. and still give the same value quality, yeah. right so yeah, yeah it's always you adjusting to the situation, yes. I mean, the situation will not adjust to you. <laughs> what did Bruce Lee say? You gotta be like water, my right? Friend. Like how you see water is it's either half full or half empty. I pour it in this. <laughs> you, can, you can freeze it and it becomes a cube. You know, it can be right. a lot of things, man. So, yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. Um, yeah. I make my own. I'm making my own adjustments to myself, and, right. and I'm always uh, giving myself reminders that you know you can always you have to keep on adjusting right you know every every stage of life is going to require a different version of yourself but you just want to be that the best version that you possibly can at right. each stage um and you will not do it or you won't complete it when you feel like you've learned it all or and done it all correct yeah so i believe in the process of continuous learning yeah and i live by that um i, I i'm not a firm believer of being called like an expert on something mm -hmm. because I'm also learning. Uh, I yeah. may I may say that I know a lot more than someone else, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that I could not learn from them. Correct. Right. Correct. Like if, like for example, I'm teaching about uh, entrepreneurship to some people, 
but then all these audiences that I have, it doesn't mean that I could not learn from any of them. Right, right. Right. There, there are lessons sure. to be learned from your audience. There are lessons to be learned even from young kids. Yes. Like, like a kid that's nine years old, ten years old, with just their principle, mm-hmm. like uh, and their mindset on things. Right. You know, right. you never close your your doors, your ears, and right. your mind to anything. That you can. I mean, it's your choice mm-hmm. what to. Uh, put in but you have to have like an open mind to it you have to you know you have to open and that's why it's very important that you surround yourself with people that yes. are going to be influential for you in yep. the right way yes like even the just the positivity like veering away from people who are negative mm-hmm. and people you know who are not you know uh, doing things to put them on top if you, on top of what they're doing if you do that for a good you know, month, and then you go back. I'm pretty sure you'll see how bad it was. Yeah, how bad it was. How yeah. bad that energy and, and negative negativity can be for you, and um, just the kind of influence it has on your because personal yeah. well being. Because it's 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 heavy. you are what you see. Yeah. You know, you you copy what you see, and I I think you know when when times come that you're. You know, um, you need to actually change who you're actually listening to. Mm-hmm. When you know, when you're not happy or you're not doing things the way you want it to be, you know, I think it's time that you started listening to someone else. Right. Like the the, the, the change the channel, the f- change the channel, <laughs> yeah. change the frequency. Yeah. Like you know, there's a reason why you don't like watching uh, home TV shopping. Yeah. Like it's because it's full of promises, yeah. less than the delivery. Yes. Like, you know, but wait, there's more. You can do this and that. But mm-hmm. when you get it, you know, it's full of promises. And when you get it, yeah. it's just trash that you, you know, set aside, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're used to that and then you don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. You wanna, you want, and that's why one reason that I like watching Discovery Channel, history, you know, learning new things. Mm-hmm. Because I want to, you know, learn more about other things that I can, you know, use. Yes. Like knowledge is yeah. really important. Like that's everything. Knowledge, knowing how to do something, is so important. Like it, it's funny. Some kids will ask me, like, "How do you start doing this? Like, how do you start this?" Like, I tell them, just go on Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you can actually search it. Man, you have a find, whole... find people. Like, like I wanted to grow uh, flowers. Like, yeah. how to grow blank specific type of flowers. And gave me like five hundred thousand results. It's, like, it's wild. You have a whole generation that is graduating from the University of YouTube. Yeah. And like I, it's wild to think that, but original. Uh, I mean, regular colleges. Mm-hmm. I feel like those are going to be obsolete within the next fifteen to twenty years. I I am not. Uh, to be honest, I'm not a firm believer in the college program mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, just because it, I mean I still believe in it in some part wherein if it's a specialization yes. like you want to be a doctor a yes. pilot yeah. engineer mm-hmm. you have to get that degree for sure you cannot learn to be a doctor in YouTube yeah no you can't do that <laughs> there, no, definitely not. I, I'm, 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 I'm staying the facts here like yeah. if you if you want to be like an, an ar- ar- engineer architect you really have to study yes <laughs> in school no question no, no doubt about it yeah, it's, no it's like asking a fish to climb a tree but I know? think at the same time uh, you're gonna get like like you said specialty everything's gonna be uh, sectioned off into like specialties mm-hmm. and that yeah you can't be a doctor on uh, from YouTube and just watching YouTube but you can find out 
uh, you can study, you know, the curriculum right. of being a doctor on YouTube and apply it whenever you go to, to right. school. Right. And it's just wild that all this information is at your hands. That I, even though I'm not going to school to be a doctor, I can still find out exactly if, if, what... If it's something that you th- like Yeah, to if do. it's something that I like, or even then, uh, certain things that I would want to know that I would normally ask a doctor. Right. It's like, hey, like, I know you're a doctor, but I, like, I was able to take it upon myself to, you know, find out this information. Right. As, as long as you understand it and you, it's comprehensive to you, then it's crazy what you can do as a like, human. <laughs> like me, I don't think that, you know, having a diploma is, to be honest, like now a safety net for kids. Yeah. Like if you think, you know, it's about you making an actual choice. Yes. Like it's your decision if you want to go to college, mm-hmm. you know, if, you know, if you could pay for it, Go ahead. But if mm-hmm. you're already making money doing what you're doing, life will give you more experiences yes. than in you college. being in college. Like, yes. There are pros and cons. Like, yeah. Someone will argue with me on this for sure. But it's all about choices. It's now, it's now not a need for you to, to go to college yeah. if you're not specializing on something. If you're already you know, on, on track, like you're already doing business on your own yeah. in, in that age. Like I could have done that when I was in college. I just didn't think about it. Like right. I thought because it was the system yeah, that I'm supposed to run. I'm like this yeah. rat inside, you know, yeah. uh, the uh, hamster get, in the ball. The hamster that yeah. had to keep, uh, that, that to keep going, yeah. you know, like after grade school, you go to co- high school, yeah. and then after high school, to go to college and then mm-hmm. find a job mm-hmm. and then you work mm-hmm. or you do business. That's it. Right. Yeah. But now I, I know for a fact that you don't have to go to college mm-hmm. to you know to to do what you're you want to do. Like if right. you want to do a restaurant business, like you could work with someone that is a chef or a friend that knows how to cook. And you'll you, gain so much more experience. And you gain <laughs> so much more experience. Right. And you're not gonna be in debt. You're not gonna be in debt. Because in college you're not making money for right. sure, you know, and you're 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 already uh, giving yourself an opportunity to earn money, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not gonna be in debt. Like so, like going to college is just so much now. Even then, like, a lot of people. If you can't afford say, it, like yeah. they, the people, like kids, I want you to know, like it, it doesn't mean that if you can't afford to go to college, it doesn't mean it's, it's the end of the world. Right. No, <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not the end of the world. But the crazy part, we're talking about the system. Is that, uh, you know, like, it's so hard for people to get business loans, but it's so easy for people to get student loans. Right. It's like, you know, $10,000 in your student loan, like you are saying, if you take $10,000 and you invest in, like, 2% of a restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, that experience that you're going to get from that restaurant, that $10,000 in that restaurant it's is going to be, you know, exponential compared to school. You're going to be like, okay, I spent $10,000. I was forced to learn this, but I only retain this much. Therefore, I end up losing money. And time. Right. I I know for a fact, like, I I lived in the States for about two years, and I saw, like, people will, it was actually their choice already if if they wanted to go to college or not. Yeah. But during that time, like, mid-2000s, here in the Philippines, it was a necessity. Like, you know, when you're going to a a job interview, they would actually look at your your school, the school you went to, you know, if you had experience in that. But now, I look more of the person's character and skill sets yeah. if it fits mm-hmm. like the 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 need like mm-hmm. I, I go past looking like which school you came from mm-hmm. now like I'm I'm most honest like that now that they don't we don't look at schools anymore mm-hmm. 
Look at what you've done and, you know, what you've experienced. That's why I always tell kids, you know, right after school, you know, experience so many things, you know, try a lot of things, like experience it mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. that you can say you've experienced it so you know if you actually like it. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you like it if you haven't experienced it. Like, right. like it's like eating food. Like, I don't want to eat this because it you looks yucky, but you is. haven't tried it. Yeah. Once you've tried it, now you know it's good. Right. Like how can, how can you say you're good at this or you've experienced that when you haven't tried it? You haven't yeah. tried it yet, right? So yeah, like I've tried uh, Scorpion and I'll never try it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different story. But yeah, yeah. yeah at least I know. <laughs> like I, like before, I, I I didn't like eating frog legs. Yeah. Like when my friend introduced me to frog legs, I like frog legs. Uh-huh. Like, you know, it's it's weird for some, but you know I like it. it tastes like chicken. Yeah. But for some, they're grossed out by it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, it took it, me a while to eat seasick. For, for kids, it just experience so many things. Like, don't think like you know, after college you have to get a job mm-hmm. right away. You mm-hmm. you could work at a minimum, being an intern for someone, learn something for one two years, mm-hmm. and gain that experience rather than working, you know, a shitty nine to five job when you're mm-hmm. encoding stuff. You're, you're you know, happy. You're, you're eating photocopy for someone else, yeah, you know, yeah. and you're not even happy about it. You're I just looking at the weekend, like. I'm not saying you shouldn't be an employee. Right. Dude, if you're happy making this much being an employee and you have perfect or like balance figured out, you have time for your family, by all means. But make sure it's something that you enjoy. It's right. Make sure it's something you enjoy, and not something to pay you. your bills. Correct. If it's something to just pay your bills, then... Yeah. Uh-uh. That's the wrong reason. That's the wrong reason. Yeah. Like, it should be something you like to do. Mm-hmm. Like, like, really can say, like, are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like, you can say with a straight face, like, I'm happy without Although, pretending, yeah. you know, about it. Like, some, so many people, you know, are, are having jobs that they don't, they don't like. Yeah. And they're afraid, because they're afraid, usually the common denominator is that they're afraid to take risks. Yeah. Like, of course it's a risk, you know, doing business is a risk. Like, you choosing to do this and that, it's a risk. Every day is a risk. It's yeah. a gamble. Yeah. There's no sure thing, but if you work constantly at it, you lessen the risk. I think a majority of people actually live their life in fear. Yeah. Like they're scared that, yeah. uh, I think the it's, one thing that people will pay for is security. Right. You know that, right? Yes, being secure. Like I've always heard that word, mm-hmm. security. Mm-hmm. Like I like my job because it's secure. Like mm-hmm. it's going to give me, like in a say 401k or, mm-hmm. or retirement here in the Philippines, you know, when I'm tenured for like 15 years, I get this much money out yeah. of it. I got benefits. I I got a public social security and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I have forty month pay. There's security. Yes. And, security. And that's fine if you want security. Some people, you know, are okay with it. Right. But some people, for for the smaller percentage of people that don't want it, mm-hmm. they're the ones, you know, working their ass off. Three sixty five. Right. It, I mean, like you said earlier, it all comes down to making that decision. Yeah. If you make that decision, that you know, yeah, you're you're going for security but at the same time you're not afraid to do things to make your life more secure right like, I, I mean that's our mo- that's our motivation honestly right. you can't lie like you you're grinding so hard so that way you can be secure you right. can you can take care of everything mm. and apply it later on down the road you know right. whether it's for you whether it's for your family mm. you know you're you're locking them in place that's why you're working so hard now right. but at the same time you're not sacrificing your your health or Correct. your well-being like your, your mental health state. your happiness and your health are the most important thing like most important you thing. can't Bubble. be happy when you're not healthy yes. like what good is it when you're you know you're yes. 
that you have so much happiness in you, but you're not feeling well by yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like your your happiness and well being is so important. It's very important, and it becomes neglected at times yes. in favor of you know of wants of wants of wants of uh, social, not even needs. Of could be like social media of us of, of being uh, image. Uh, yeah so being socially accepted yes yeah uh, you know just getting using your money to get things that you don't necessarily need dude there, 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 yes, I, I, I've been through that like I bought so many useless shit that you know I, I bought the latest like supreme releases right how about uh, um, all these fancy clothes new sneakers and stuff but it's all temporary it's all temporary like you know I, I, like I even bought a, a brand new watch you know cost an arm and a leg mm-hmm. and still didn't make me happy like mm-hmm. it will make me happy like well what two weeks or I, so yeah. that's it at the same time what's different like it's different per person because you could do that with a mindset and a mentality that it's like like I bought like I bought this watch because you know it's um, a token of my success of like it's a something that I want to give myself to like a reward yeah like a reward like I did all this work and so this is what I have that'll remind me of mm-hmm. that because for example in basketball that's like getting MVP right you know finals MVP or something like that it's like yeah you have the trophy it maybe doesn't mean anything or whatever but at the same time it's like yeah all my hard work went into that so right. it's like cool you can have those tokens there's nothing wrong with having those tokens but then it's when you over indulge and you find yourself in a repeated pattern of like constantly having to reward yourself without any reason then that's whenever I feel like it's bad. And I feel like that's kind of what's depicted on uh, online nowadays and media nowadays. It's the fact that you know, right. people always have to have the, you know, the newest things. And, 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 and it's not just social media, but how marketing was made. Like, for right. example, like, let's say, right. you know, a watch would dictate your social status in life. Mm-hmm. Is it our basis now? Like, you mm-hmm. know the logo in front of your car is mm-hmm. going to dictate like what's your status in life if, right. if you're if you're driving a Toyota versus you're driving Maserati yeah. is how that, many followers is that going to dictate you like okay I'm going to say to you and I've said it in all my previous podcasts yeah. that social media is not bad it's not it's it just uh, uh, expedites the process of being who you truly are as a person same yes. with money like yeah. it exposes people for who they truly are. Like for example, if you're that. just three wow. here in this island, yeah, and you're the one who's successful, yeah, between all us three, and you flaunt all the things that you have, this nice car, yeah. you know, all, all these nice things that you have, all these nice material things. If I give you an audience of five million people, mm-hmm. you'd be the same. You'd be the same. But you just know that there's five million people watching you. Yeah, correct. You're right. It's like a magnifying glass. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're just magnifying who the person is. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, if, if you're a person who's nurse, nar- narcissist, like, you know, you're so full of yourself. Mm-hmm. When you're with just two people, you're the same when you're with showing off with 5 million right. people or sure. 16 million people, however big your audience is. Yeah. It's a magnification of who you truly you are. are. Yes. Like, you know, if you're a good person and I give you. Uh, you don't have money and I give you money like you would do for sure good things with it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and if you're a bad That's person so you're a bad person I give you more money what does it do 
but it makes you think worse. <laughs> yeah, that, it's so interesting that you said that because it, um, you know, it's almost like social media rewards you in a different way that it's kind of like a temptation, but like. Like what? No, for, if for you, the likes? Yeah, so like, for example... For the gratification? If people get more followers, right? right. That's more income possibilities, right. right? So in a sense, they're willing to do whatever it takes to get that income. They actually sell their soul in exchange yes. for something else. Yes, yes. Which is the fame, and, which is given by people. Right. And, you know, you'll find and that you through a yourself. lot of different things in history, though. Now it's social media's turn, but before, what was it? Right. Yeah, you know, you know what social media was when I was in high school, like who was who was the popular guy? Yeah. Like, if for example I'm the captain of the basketball team, I'd be the most popular school. Correct. I'm a, a guy in the most school. popular guy in the school. Yeah. Most likely, I would be the I would be one getting most likes. Mm-hmm. Like if I was voted as you know as prom king, mm-hmm. most likely if I was the you know the leader of the basketball team. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd win it just because I'm popular. Right. But then when That's you see... That's how it meant before. But when you see that guy, the, the captain of the basketball team, is all of a sudden getting, you know, $5 million checks mm-hmm. because he is the captain of the basketball right. team and a lot of people like him, then you're like, no, why is he getting all the money? I know I could do it. Right. So then you start, hey, look, look <laughs> what I could do. Look what I could do. Look what I could do and try to take that from him. And then it all becomes so, like, competitive because now everyone's going after the end result is money right money and and the likes that come with the money right so the end result of that you're right it's it's about your character at the end right. of the at day the end of the day the most important thing is your character yes. and um not your reputation yes like i hated the fact that my reputation is hinged on material things like sneakers mm-hmm. and clothes mm-hmm. and whatever things i own which i don't think should be the basis of a person of who you are no definitely not that's why I even changed my name from Mr. Sosam to just my name. Mm. Because I want to be known for for, you. for the value I bring based on what I know, not yeah. because of what I own. Yes. Those are two different things. Two different things. Two uh, different things. I don't want to be known as the guy like, oh yeah, Antonio, he's the guy that owned uh, 1,200 pairs of shoes. Yeah. Like, whoop-de-doo. Uh, there's this <laughs> thing online that said like, uh, we consider ourselves as... Uh, as nouns mm-hmm. but we should really consider ourselves as verbs why meaning like because uh, going back to that original quote mm-hmm. I told you because we are what we do right so you can say you're a doctor but then if you don't perform surgeries mm-hmm. and you don't do that like literally the action of doing it which right. is a verb right a verb right. is an action right so if you don't become that verb if you're not doing things uh, as a verb in an action then you're just living as a noun, which means you're just entitled. Does right. that make sense? Right. So he's like, we shouldn't be entitled. We shouldn't think of ourselves as nouns, and we should think of ourselves more as verbs. Correct. But because how things are are in our day and age, you know, we're all about the noun first. It's right. Like, who am I? Like, what am yeah. I? What do I do? It, everyone's become more selfish because of social media. It's all about bringing value for themselves rather than putting out value for others. In a sense, but then you do have those accounts that are, you can really tell that their their main purpose is to impact lives. Right. Um, you know, right. For you for example, you're you're putting out this podcast because you're impacting whether it's one life that you impact or right. a thousand. You right. know, that's one life that you can change. Yeah. And to you and and I appreciate. I see how how you're 
uh, doing that is is uh, admirable. You know, that's great to know that there's people out there that are willing to do this and find passion in, in right. sharing things for other people and to help other people because honestly it's me on the other end that's watching these podcasts of other people right. and learning all these things from them and if it wasn't for them sharing that that's you know knowledge that i wouldn't have obtained right. and it's you it's people like you and and uh people that share share these things that balance out all that negativity on social media and it's just a matter of I think it's just being misused yeah. because it was so new and there were no laws to it that people didn't necessarily say, hey, this is how you use the internet right. and this is what you use it for. So it left it open for anybody's interpretation and now you see where that has taken us nowadays. So, um, yeah, you can see that it's people a choice. have... It it's is a, a choice. choice. People make choices of who they follow. That's why I said that if you're unhappy, oh, yeah. you got to start listening to other people. Yes. Like, you know, some people, I just follow their patterns, like, why they're miserable. They, they they listen to, like, all these shows, for example, they're talking about problems of other people. Mm-hmm. Because when yeah, you well. do that, all you, all you do is just get in more of yeah. their problems yeah, yeah, and you yeah. relate to that. Yeah. Like, if you're watching ne- so much negativity and violence, you become yes. part of it. Like, if you put in, like, you learn more things, like, on knowledge alone which is free mm. you know you become more uh, uh, you, you have more knowledge on it yeah. like you learn yeah. like, are you uh, are you into like meditation and stuff I tried actually before yeah. uh, there was a point in, in in my life where I went through a, a very rough time mm-hmm. um, there were two times 2014 when I first um, met the word depression yeah uh, 2014 uh, I met that word and I didn't know it was that yeah. and um, part of what I did was meditation and just talking to myself yes. and clearing space yes. in my head and just breathing mm-hmm. I think that helped me a lot I, mm-hmm. the doctor said you know medicine that I'm giving you is not going to help you cure whatever it is you're feeling yeah. now it's it not suppresses. like a bruise yeah when we put a bandage on it and yeah. it's gone mm-hmm. no this is something in your head mm-hmm. that you need to take control of because it's in your head and you have to be the one, uh, the one to take control of your life mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. I mean don't let anything else take control of you not even the medicine and stuff so mm-hmm. it's all new so you know it's part of what uh, I, I learned to do yeah. back then man I say that's it's very important very um, I, I see that there's so much distraction nowadays, you know, with, uh, we're, you know, we're on social media that, you know, people, as soon as they wake up, they go to their phone, they get on Instagram, they start scrolling or Facebook or whatever it is, and they just immediately give themselves a distraction right away. And, uh, you know, you have to know, to, you have to learn to meditate because you can call it meditation, you can call it quiet time, I don't care what you want to call it, but you just need that time for yourself. And like you said, mm-hmm. talk to yourself. And that's the realest that you will ever be with yourself at any right. moment in time. Right. And so why not set 15 minutes a day to be like 100% real with yourself and who you are? And from that point, you'll be anchored once you do that day after day after day. That's, you know, going back to basketball, those are those reps that you're getting in that 
will make you stronger and stronger. So yeah, you're going to meditate and it's not going to feel so great. You know, you're going to feel like there's all kinds of stuff going on. But then as you continue to do it, you get those reps, you know, you, your awareness is just going to get right. so much bigger. And once you reach a certain level, uh, level of awareness, you're capable of doing anything that you right. want. It, and it's unbelievable. It, it's self-awareness, basically. Self-awareness, correct. Self-awareness is the one, one factor that people forget because with all the things that's going on left and right with their lives, they tend to forget who they truly are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they forget, like, who am I? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Like, have I become this person that has been um, full of gratitude and ch- of, of, of full of, you know, uh, being gratified by likes mm-hmm. and, and, and positivity from from, from people that I could not even bear to take in negativity at the same time. Yeah. Like how you, you're able to handle positive things from other people yeah. that you don't even know is how they treat also people that are negative at the same time. Yeah. Because, you know, people always talk about like how they treat negativity. It's like, you know, dealing with haters and stuff, but I treat the positivity the same as the negativity because most likely you will say that oh negative comes from people that are you know have no credentials or don't know where they're talking about yeah. have done nothing in their lives yeah. and most likely people who are cheering you too are those people that are gi- possibly giving negative comments at the same time you don't I mean I, I'm grateful I'm thankful for all the people give cheers and praises to us right yeah. but at the same time you're aware that you know the, where it comes from yeah like the positive and the negativity yeah. that you, you, you get in yeah, and sometimes getting, people you know just forget about it it's like you know they they look at it and they they feel bad towards it because they're too engrossed with the fact that they're getting cheers yeah like you know you're getting 99 cheers from people and then once one person saying f you yeah and and you focus on that one person one person mm-hmm. and it's like you know don't get too Flustered with the fact that everyone's cheering for you, yeah. like you hear it, you acknowledge yeah. it, but you know, doesn't mean you have to, you know, listen to everything. Correct. <laughs> and then going back, that's whenever that's why I feel like meditation or quiet time is the most important right. because you'll get that one person. For example, we're saying there's a hundred people cheering, and then there's that one person that says mm-hmm. like, like, hey, you I don't, suck. yeah, you suck. But then it's like, okay, you hear it. But then what's the first thing that people will do? They're like, uh, I'm going to, yeah, they'll either retaliate, retaliate or they'll just be like, uh, you know, I'm not going to handle it now. I'll worry about it later, how, how I'll deal with it but later. But it goes into your head. And yeah, it goes in your head, but then you just start distracting yourself. You'll watch TV and then eventually you never tackle that problem. Mm-hmm. So then it sits in your head for how long, how many right. days. So imagine that after some that one person said you suck and you end your night and with quiet time and you actually get the time to absorb the whole situation, you can cut it then and you can, you know, cut the cord then. Right. And it's like, boom, he said I suck and I'm meditating on this now because it's like now I know that he's saying I suck and it doesn't mean anything. So that's going to push me harder to do what I need to do. Right. And there that night, instead of letting it sit and it's like, man, do I suck? That guy said I suck. Right. I really suck. I, I, whatever, I'll handle it later. I'm going on Facebook because, oh, these people are cheering for me. But that guy said I suck. And, you know, you're just putting it off. So the longer you put it off by being <laughs> distracted, you know, it's just going to end up being worse at the end of the day. So that's why it's better to come back to that present moment, you know, take my time to breathe and 
absorbing all the maybe the good and the bad and analyzing it and using it for your best right. interest. Because people are gonna say, I mean, people will always have an opinion on a lot of things. Always. And Especially when it comes it, to it's something you cannot control. Mm-hmm. Never can you control what people think about you, mm-hmm. regardless. Like what I'm talking about now, mm-hmm. what you're talking about now. Not everyone would, will agree on it, mm-hmm. and it's okay, because that people are entitled to their own opinions. Right. What matters is you, the 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 thoughts that you have. That's how you react. That's how you react. Yes. Like if if you're very active to those things, if you say like, I'm only human, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things you learn as you grow older, mm-hmm. that you develop that kind of of thinking that you don't you don't have to listen to everything that. That goes in it like yeah. you, you you learn how to filter yeah. it without actually filtering what you see right right you yeah. know it's just you know you treat everything the same mm-hmm. it's like you see it it's just feedback I think one lesson that I learned here in the Philippines that I learned it both on and off the court right, right. is uh, like people used to tell me they say like walang picon mm-hmm. right yeah walang picon yeah so it's like okay I didn't really get it at first, but mm-hmm. now I'm like, okay, I get it. Like that that applies to both on and off the court. <laughs> like if someone hits you and you retaliate, you know, they're gonna be like, Oh, okay, I see like you retaliated, I got in your head. Right. And the same thing happens whenever you're, you know, off the court. It's like, you know, someone can say something to you and then like if you retaliate in the wrong you in, get the, in the wrong way, it. you yeah. get affected and then that gives them the satisfaction of, it ruins your of game. knowing, yeah, it's like, Hey, I got in his head. It's like, that's exactly what you wanted. So that's the one term that it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be going. Yeah, was it I, I that, that issue? I'm not going to name the players, but was it that issue when, you know, the he made a gesture towards the import when it's like a monkey, he's like a monkey? Yeah. Was that something that you're, you're talking about? Oh, no, not necessarily. I'm be- because he was trying to taunt him. Yeah. And he's trying, trying to play mind yeah. games, but he kind of went overboard. He went overboard. It, right? Yeah, he went overboard. But that wasn't the instance. I'm just talking about in general. Right. Um, like, you know, you get the, the PBA is pretty physical, and there's a it lot is. of things that it happen is. that isn't on camera. Like, you'll have those players that come up and they're next to you and they'll pinch you like this, oh. where you can't even see it. You know, they'll <laughs> pinch you here. Yeah, the refs can't see it. They'll right. pinch your butt. They'll, you know, all kinds of crazy all kinds things. Of crazy that things. Happen in the PBA, just to distract right? you. Just to try to distract you. And the thing is, like, Say he pinched he pinched my my arm or my butt or whatever, and then I come down the next one. I'm like, what are you doing? I elbow him, and then he flops. Then it's like, okay, I get an offensive foul, and he has the satisfaction of knowing that I got the con. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, cool, like I did it. That's so that's you, part of the game. Okay, so it means that you can't be pissed at someone trying to get you pissed. Yeah, you you kind of take the reverse approach, and then that's whenever they leave you alone. So it's like if someone approaches you, it doesn't with work on you. Yeah. If someone approaches you with negativity and you feed them positive positivity, right. then they're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> That's not how it works." Like yeah. if I was like, "You suck," and you're like, "Oh, thank you," and it's like, "Oh, no, that didn't go how I thought." You know what I'm saying? Right. So it kind of works like that. Uh, I think Kobe has that type of mentality. Exactly, and that's what I read it in one of his books. He said, "You know, they're the the toughest defenders would always get in people's heads." But then they stopped doing those tactics once they played Kobe because they knew it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Like they, it, they know it won't work, like, so it won't, he, they won't even try. I remember once one part when Matt Barnes was trying oh, yeah, to the ball throw pick. the ball to his yeah. face and he didn't even flinch. He didn't even flinch. Like he didn't care. It's crazy, right? It was a, it's a different. 
It's a different mentality in all in itself. That's a very tough mentality that he has. But um, I study Kobe a lot, but his awareness of what's going on uh-huh. is just next level. How we were talking about awareness, right? Right. His awareness is just next level. Like Self awareness. Yeah, he knows what's going on, and and he knows the situation that he's in at all times, and and uh, like when you read in basketball, it's all reads, right? Okay. So how can you manipulate the game in such a way that it will come out to your benefit? You have the, the only way is to be so aware of everything going on. Right. You know, you're able to predict, predict yes, it, right? Yes, I exactly. think that's one of the skills that like Draymond Green that people don't know about him mm-hmm. is that he knows how to read the defense yes. before it actually happens. Yes. Like he knows this person's going left mm-hmm. and he pushes his teammate to go left and everything. Mm-hmm. He already knows. Like mm-hmm. there's some players like him that people don't see in the stats yeah. right like yeah. all, all the defensive great defensive players have that great self-awareness and that prediction and that sense that they know where the ball is going yeah. like you know like Dikembe Mutombo had that thing where yeah. he knew when the player would be faking a shot where yeah. it actually would be when the jump or right yeah yeah I get that all the great shot blockers all the great people who, who are tops in the uh, steals because mm-hmm. it's intuition like how you would steal a right. uh the the basketball is two different ways like you're yes. reading where the passing lanes are mm-hmm. and also how the the player is actually is dribbling yes. right Patterns. reading the body movement yeah. of your opponent yeah. right you already know their moves yeah <laughs> especially in, in the pba we're in you know you know there's not a lot of teams mm-hmm. so you get to know the players really well <laughs> really well because yeah. you always you play them in practice too sometimes right yeah, yeah. so that, that 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 familiarity like they, they develop that's why the greats study a lot of tapes yes right I, I know in the NBA like the, the greatest players study a lot of tapes hours their, and hours of their opponent like yeah. LeBron Kobe yeah. Jordan they, they they watch 20 tapes mm-hmm. of their opponent mm-hmm. and they, they, they strike on those weaknesses that they have yeah <laughs> and that's something I love to do actually that's something I do now uh-huh. um, you know I like looking at how one I look at other players and what they have uh-huh. and what they do well and I learn that like I apply it for example you know I look at how LA Tenorio uh, has a floater a mid-range game right so I look at how he gets that and I try to apply it to my own game but at the same time I know how I know where he's comfortable if he's going comfortable going to his right or to his left I know how he likes his feet to get into that <laughs> mid-range you know where somebody like Jason Castro he, he loves obviously getting to the basket right right but he loves having the ball in his left hand I hope he's not he never listens to this <laughs> <laughs> he loves having the ball in his left hand right and when the ball's in his left hand he likes to drive left or he likes to shoot or right. do a step back shot when the ball's in his right hand he'll only drive and he has a tough time doing a step back to his right he'll always do a step back and get the ball back to his left hand so when I play Jason I know Put, make him put the ball in his right hand at all times. Right. So he'll put the ball in his left and I'll jab my hand at his left so he has to put it back in his right. Right. And then that I never would have learned if I didn't watch like the film. Watch film. You know, I, like just if you're playing because against you them. Because you see the tendencies of players. You, you'll see by it and watching. you can slow it down. And then you can actually see it. And I find the and tendencies And that's what's game. great about basketball, especially when you're in the league, because you read and react mm-hmm. and then you adjust. Mm-hmm. And then you read, react, mm-hmm. It's a game of adjustments. Like right. that's why you know a seven-game series is always fun. Yeah. Because the first game, you think yeah. that that team has 
the upper hand and then next game exactly. the coach adjusts the game plan yeah. changes the the, the ball movement and yeah. everything it's just insanely different and I think that's when coaching is uh, very very um, what's the word not appreciated right like people it doesn't show yeah yeah uh, because they don't really realize they just see the players going out there and playing but they right. don't realize the the strategy and the adjustments that have to go right. into a, a and, and that's series. the importance to like even you have a great coach and you have a great floor general like yep. a coach yep. inside the court, the court. Yep. because you used to you know as a kid you know you used to play pickup games mm-hmm. and usually the, the guy with the ball in their hands knows how to set up all this pe- mm-hmm. team it's like a coach inside mm-hmm. the game right right i yeah. mean how do you play pickup games like it's all yeah. Really, really reacting, yeah, right? Yeah. So, you know, when you don't have a coach, you develop that skill as well. Yeah. That's why there's so many great point guards that existed because they have a great uh, leadership and yeah. on-court skill. Yeah. You know, some of them may not even be, you know, Hall of Famers, but they become great coaches, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like, usually, I, I know for a fact, like, most point guards become great coaches. Yeah. Like in the NBA, like uh-huh. Doc Rivers was a mm-hmm. was a coach, and then you even look yeah. at uh, somebody like Eric Spolstra, who's never been a player. But yeah, he was he a video coordinator. Exactly. So but, he learned the he, game but from watching. He was very passionate about. Like he was happy with his his job. With the I remember job. the interview yeah. that was made uh, with him. That you know, I love watching film mm-hmm. and just study every player and give good reports. And it would really work. Mm-hmm. And they, some uh, there was one game when he was given the game ball as a video coordinator mm-hmm. because they knew the play of their opponent. Mm-hmm. It's just so insane, mm-hmm. like how they, you know, uh, like the the study that they put in. That's it, man. If, if you if you understand that the process, then um, you know, with commitment and attention to detail, then. Uh, I think that's the formula for any basketball team to be successful. Yeah, I, I, and that's why I think, like, life... I, that's how I treat, like, life is, like, sports. Yeah. You know, how how you read and react to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and how hard you work. And combined with some luck and some skill, mm-hmm. it all plays together. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be just great. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I gave an example of, like, an NBA player who... Who was making millions and millions of money, but then after a few years in NBA, he was you know he, he wasn't an all star. Larry Sanders, mm-hmm. you're familiar with him yeah, for the Bucks, Walker, right? Yeah. But he just didn't want to play the game. Yeah, he had he said he had other priorities in life. Yeah, you know basketball is not everything to me, so I'm leaving the game, leaving like hundreds of millions of dollars on the, on the table. table. On the table at, at like age twenty five or twenty seven, I yeah. think he left the game that early yeah. just because you know he wasn't happy. He had that real talk with himself though, right? You know he he knew that that's where he wasn't going to get his happiness. So right, yeah, I I actually it doesn't mean that, that you're great at something that means you're happy. Yep. Mm-mm. No. Yeah, that's never the case. <laughs> <laughs> right. Never be the case. Yeah. <laughs> right, but I think that's why you have to find something you're passionate about and then learn how to become great at it yeah passion and then develop for me it always plays better if it's your passion then you become great at it rather than you're good at it Mm. I think developing it to be your passion Mm. might not be as successful as the other way around yeah like if you really want it it's your choice you make it you become accountable for it yes it's the choice that you make 
Yeah. Like nobody made a choice for you. Like, okay, that's your passion, Chris. Mm. You're gonna be great at basketball, okay? Mm. All right, that's your choice. Yeah. Go ahead. So well, do it. Yeah. But no, you chose you chose well, basketball. Yeah, I chose it. You chose basketball yeah. over American football. Yeah, I did. Over track. I did. It, it, track could have been your number one sport, and we could not be here talking right now. Right. Um, honestly, I chose basketball because there's more of a personal impact. Like with, Why is uh, it so? Uh, American football, there's 11 guys on the field. Mm-hmm. And as a wide receiver, you'll get thrown, the ball thrown to you maybe a few times. Like seven times. Right. Seven to ten times. Ten is a lot. It's around a few yards. Yeah, yeah, throughout the whole game. Mm-hmm. And then the, re- the rest of the time, you're kind of like playing teammate. Okay. So basketball, there's five. So yeah. if I don't play defense, everyone would know. If yeah. I miss a block and the play's going the other way in football, <laughs> it's like, okay, nobody would really know. It's like, uh, but in basketball, if you're not there, people will know. If you can't shoot, people will know. Right. So like the impact, what you can do, what I can do for my team is felt by everyone more. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, is it evident by the fact, for example, like James Harden, they think that he plays so much offense that he doesn't play defense anymore? Is that evident? Not necessarily. Like it, because that, 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 that's the thing they say that's the knock on him, that he doesn't, he doesn't play, play defense, defense. But it doesn't mean that he, he doesn't want to play defense. Right. How this works, and this is something that I'm learning, is that um, as, as a superstar, mm-hmm. your role is a little bit different. Okay. So say James Harden plays really, really hard defense. Right. Okay. And... He's going up against somebody like Russell, uh, like Westbrook. Right? Westbrook, okay. So you're guarding Westbrook, and he's coming at you full speed. Full ahead. speed, and you play really hard defense. You're more than likely to get a foul, okay? One okay. foul. Then same quarter, next possession, he comes down, does it again. You play hard defense. Right. Second foul. You're the star player, and you haven't scored anything, but you got two fouls. Then he, he comes again, third foul. And then it's like, oh, dang, I only have three. <laughs> I have three more three. fouls in the game. Right. And I have to hit I, my quotient of 40 points, 40, 40 points. plus points yeah. in order for us to even have a chance at winning right. because who else on the bench is going to get be able to get right. 40? Not that many people. So it's like, okay. So it's either I just hope that my team can cover up for me and play help defense and, you know, we can make it up in the, the overall numbers of, yeah, I can outscore this person, but I might not be able to stop him every time, but we can help maybe lower his average right. or something and, like and that. And I think that's where they, they talk about the plus minus of the player. Plus minus, right? correct, yes. Like the time that he's on the court versus when he's off the court yeah. or when combination of different players. Right. Yeah, so it's like you give James Harden 46 points, but then it's like, is the person guarding him getting 46? Yeah. No, they're probably only getting like 15, 20 points. And it's so like, okay, good. so that's a difference of 26 points right there. Right. Uh, as far as man-to-man matchup. So, so that's, he, a, that's a plus for him. That's a plus for him. So, What's the negative that, will be him scoring 46 and his opponent scoring 56. Yeah, 56. Exactly. Right? Then he's down 10. Down 10. Yeah. So it, it works like that. And of course, like when you're talking about plus minus, it steals, rebounds, right. assists, yeah, yeah, all yeah, those that other stuff too, yeah. into it. But, um, even deflections are not even counted. Right? Yeah, it's not even <laughs> a stat. Um, but... That's kind of how it goes with his style of play and why it's so kind of critical. Same thing with like guys like Paul George, right? Like in the playoffs, Paul George is known as a good defender. But like then, he's a great two-way player. But then, you know, come the playoffs, he's in foul trouble. Because like, he's playing too hard. Because he's playing too hard. And, he, and we're talking about adjusting, right? Right. So now he can't adjust and he doesn't realize that, oh. sure, I'll give you a layup, but I'm also going to get the two points back on yeah. the other end. 
Wow. That's something new for me. Yeah. Like, I learned something new about that. It's different, right? Because I always thought, like, you know, I would think, like, he was lazy because, you know, he's trying to preserve his energy to score more points. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like I said, it's something that I'm learning, too, because I was brought up, like, hey, play defense hard. Or you won't get the or ball. Or you won't get the ball, or you won't... You get benched. Yeah, you'll get benched. But then uh, finals against Hanebra, mm-hmm. then you wonder why I'm always in foul trouble because I'm always trying to guard L.A. Tenorio really, really tough. And then coach is like, hey, you have to adjust. We need you on the court. You have to be on the court because your overall impact on the game is so important to you us. You have to be in the you court. You have to be on the court. Yeah. So sometimes you might stop him. Sometimes you might not. But you have to just make it as hard as, as possible without fouling. So it's like, okay, I understand now. It's being safe. It's being safe. And, and it's, it's weird because in my head, I was like, no, like it's, it's a pride thing. Like, I have to stop him. But then... You're not you're because, actually helping your team. Right? Yeah, because I'm like, hey, I have to help my team. I want him. I want to stop him. But then what coach is pointing out to me is like, hey, you want to help your team. You have to stay on, stay the, on court. the court. So stop fouling or right. like play defense. But at the same time, you got to know not to foul. If he has a layup and you're in a position that you're going to foul, then just let it go. Right. Because being on the court is more beneficial for the team. Right. Because you're going to be used to be playing 32 to 38 minutes a game Correct. out of 48. Correct. And then if you're in foul trouble, like by the fourth Cut quarter, you can't, you can't play like 24 minutes and yeah. be effective for your team. Correct. So uh, Makes that, sense. That kind of goes to uh, James Harden or any other NBA Like those superstar. eight minutes from 24 versus 30, 32 minutes could be the that's the difference. Like the game. Yeah, that's the difference in, in the game. That's the difference in a lot of things, especially whenever it's a tight game, right? My coach pointed this out. It's like, game I got in foul trouble, we lose by two, and I ended the game with like 10 points. Mm-hmm. It's like, your average is 18. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we lose a game by two, you're normally getting 18. You so should have like, won by six. We should have won by six, correct. Like averages. And that's at least, that's just kind of like saying. How big of a factor, like, is it, like, and like, like in the PBA that they look at stats compared to just what they see on the court uh, is stat- it, has it changed now compared to before like mm. as part of like you know advancement in terms of studying data yeah stuff? I think so because uh, it, players can adjust their their game plan according accordingly like for example you know who's not a 30 something percent uh, three point shooter right. so it's like yeah. why am I going to run out super hard and like, who are you going to foul yeah it's like okay that's 30 percent and it's like why am I going to run and then give you 50 percent 80 percent chance layup it's like no it's like okay I'll play the 30 percent so in that sense so that's court awareness also yeah that's court awareness and uh, analysis analyzing your opponent knowing who's in front of you who, who you're guarding um, what? They, they say um, KYP that's a term that a lot of coaches that I've been with has, has said is know your personnel. Yeah. On offense and defense. Okay. It's like if you have a big guy that's running the floor and I'm the ball handler and I give it to him, what do you expect a seven foot yeah, guy he, to like? Yeah, they yeah, can't yeah, dribble. To like dribble and like <laughs> make something happen. No, you. that's why the point guard has a ball. You keep the ball and you know that that's not the person you give it to. Now, if it's somebody that can, like a slasher like that a, can create and get run, to the yeah. hole, then it's like, sure, I'll give it up. Yeah, and the same thing. Uh, it, no it makes a lot of difference between a player that you can pass from the elbow yeah. on a fast break rather than someone inside the paint yeah. ready yeah. that just has to lay it up. Yeah, correct. And then uh, yeah, uh, no KYP on your defense too. So it's like 
if you know he's not a shooter, then it's like, okay, I'm going to close out short. And that's I'll, why I'll they, they put some, like, disrespect to some players, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, they, they leave him, like, like, wide open. Like, yeah. I, or like case, <laughs> case in point, like, Ben Simmons is yeah. like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Go do your thing outside of three-point line. Right. I'm, I'm just going to be waiting here inside. Mm-hmm. So that's analysis. Um, that definitely has taken the game. But at the same time, you know, players are, are becoming so well-rounded and so developed nowadays that... You know, everyone can shoot threes, everyone can shoot twos, and everyone... It's well, versati- It's a game of versatility. Yeah, versatility. Now, huh? now it's about matchups and who's able to uh, utilize it right. and, and capitalize on, um, you know, those opportunities that you have. Like, whenever I play the point guard and I got, like, a five-foot-eight mm-hmm. guy that's guarding me, it's like, okay, now's the time to change my mentality right. from a slasher to a post player. Yeah. And just, like, you know... Take advantage, take advantage of the, of the smaller right. guy or... If uh, you know, I call a pick and roll and the big guy switch and I have Juma on me, it's like, <laughs> okay, my mentality is like, okay, uh, I'm going to make him move his feet because right. you know, big guys are slower. Like yeah, that. not as nimble. Right, so um, that comes with analysis. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Please visit anchor.fm slash show to view the entire list of platforms where you can listen to the show. For any comments, reactions, or whatever you want to say, send it to show on Instagram or on my account at antonmaguire.junior and I'll make sure to respond to all of your messages. This is Life Deck, signing off.